So have you ever been worried? Today, probably, yeah. <laughs> I've been worried. I was trying to think of a, a time when I was really, really worried. And I was a teenager. I know a number of you are teenagers here. Um, when I was a teenager, I was hiking in Rocky Mountain National Park. And those of you who ever do that kind of thing, you know, you, you try to go early in the morning because in the afternoon those thunderstorms roll in. And for whatever reason, I can't remember why, we were coming down the mountain and it was the afternoon and one of those thunderstorms rolled in. And I was going along, I was with, I was with my family and we ended up kind of spreading out on the trail and I was ended up all by myself and I was going down this trail and it hadn't started raining, it was, you know, threatening, but it, you know how that goes? All of a sudden, flash, boom. <laughs> and that lightning strikes. I don't know where it was. It was really close because there was no delay between that flash and that boom. And it was really loud. And the kind where it just shakes you to the core. And I don't know, maybe it was because I was a teenager. But I, I pretty much dropped my pack and like curled up in the fetal position. <laughs> in the forest and just thought, oh my gosh, I'm going to die. I was really worried. Because things were really uncertain. You know, it goes through your mind, am I going to get hit by lightning? What's going to happen? I'm probably going to get wet at least. And, you know, it took a few minutes and I kind of got over it and I moved on. But I think all of us can be like that, can't we? We can be worried about all kinds of things all the time. Not just lightning in the woods, but all the circumstances of life and the things that are going on. And when we think about worry, we look at the, even the title this morning, Peace. And we go, worry, man, this just seems to be in the absence of peace, doesn't it? And so today we're going to look at this passage in Romans and try to figure out where does peace really come from? Where should we really be finding peace in our lives? So, we're going to jump into the passage and I'll read it for you here. I have this right. Is it working? You could take us to the passage, Dale. Anyway, I'll read it for you. Starting in verse 16, which I know Brad covered a couple weeks ago, and we'll just start there because I think it makes it make more sense if we start there. Paul says, That's why, we, why it depends on faith in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring, not only to the adherents of the law, but also the one who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations in the presence of God, the God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. In hope, he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations, as he had been told. So shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. But the words it was counted to him were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God. 
through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so that's the passage. And so to understand where this peace comes from, we're going to ask and answer a series of questions. This morning, the first one is this. What was Abraham trusting God to do? Paul puts it in the context of Abraham and what's going on with Abraham. And So we've got to ask that question. What was Abraham trusting God to do? Do we really understand what that is? Well, we go back to Genesis chapter 12, verses 2 to 3. And God speaking to Abraham, he says this. He says, I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you. I will curse and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And so God makes this promise to Abraham, doesn't he? And most of us were familiar with this. We've read this before. We go, okay, he's going to make him a nation. So what's the answer? To spring from him a great nation. What was Abraham trusting God to do? To make a nation out of him. Okay, great. What did he do? Why was that significant? Well, if you go back to that context and you go back into the book of Genesis, chapter 12 follows on the heels of chapter 11. In chapter 11, we see this. The Tower of Babel. And so just as a little refresher about the Tower of Babel, is all the people, you know, the flood has happened, and the people of the earth, they come together, and they're working, and they're united, and they've got one language and one vision, and they're building this tower, and, but they're not honoring God. And so God scatters them. He confuses their language and sends them apart, and that's where all the people, we believe they go from there out to all the ends of the earth, the Chinese and the, the people who come to the Americas and so forth and so on, they all move out from there into different places. And so there's all this turmoil. And civilizations then begin to rise and fall and people are disunited and everything is, seems to be breaking down and it's just this big problem and Abraham is sitting right in the middle of this. He goes, man, there's, there's no permanent records in history. All of our languages are confused and what is going on and this is really crazy and then the only thing that's going to be lasting is if I have children and I have a line of descendants. It's about all there is as far as making a name for himself. And I can imagine at this point before God shares this, Abraham's worried. He's worried. He's going, what's going to happen? What's going to happen to me? What's going to happen to my family? What is going to happen? But then Abraham heard God's promise. And he believed God's promise. And then God's promise came to pass, didn't it? Genesis chapter 15, verse 6. Abraham believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. Abraham had faith that God would do what he said. And so now we could look at this and say, well, that's really nice. Did Abraham just sort of up and believe? Like, oh, okay, I'll just have this and there's this God and he'll say, oh yeah, we're going to have children and they're going to become a great nation. No, there was something underneath that. There was something that informed his faith. And so that's what we have to ask. What really was the foundation of Abraham's faith? What really was that foundation of Abraham's faith? It says, it was counted to him as righteousness. So, does that mean, oh, he was righteous because he saw that God was going to give him this nation and this line of descendants after him. Is that what gave him righteousness? Well... If that was the case, and Paul says in Romans, hey, we believe and it's counted to us as righteousness, well, we go, 
There's not going to be nations coming off of any of us, is there? There's not any land left in the world for there to be nations or people, right? So it can't be that. It can't really be like, oh, it's about nations. So what is it about? Paul's making an application for us. And so if we go over to Galatians chapter 3, it says this, The scriptures look forward to this time when God would make the Gentiles right in his sight because of their faith. God proclaimed this good news to Abraham long ago when he said, All nations will be blessed through you. Paul is summarizing a couple couple verses there in Genesis chapter 12 verse 3 and chapter 22 verse 8. He's saying God proclaimed this good news. Well, what good news? What good news did he proclaim? It's the gospel. Well, what is the gospel? Well, let's just review it again. The gospel is the idea that, hey, you know what? We've broken the universe, and our sin separates us from God, and it's going to take God to reach back to us and get us to him. And God eventually does that in the person of Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ comes and he dies. And we've been talking about that in Romans. He's the propitiation. He's the sacrifice. He's the substitute for us that makes the way that we can be right with God. And God's explained this concept. Now, we didn't tell him about Jesus. He didn't tell him about the crucifixion and the resurrection or any of that. But he explains the good news to Abraham. And so Abraham was, you you see there, the answer, Abraham saw that God would reconcile all people to himself. That's where his faith was founded. It was on that, not on this line of descendants. That followed afterwards. So the gospel was the foundation of Abraham's faith. Abraham's faith was in response to what he knew. It was in response to what he knew. His trust that God had promised, hey, you're going to have this line of descendants and you're going to have this nation, it was founded upon his faith that God would provide a way for all of us to be justified, for all of us to be saved, for all of us to be reconciled to him. So you go, okay, that's fine. Here we go. We got Abraham and there's his faith. So... What about me? Right? What about me? Well, let's get personal. Let's ask this question. What are you trusting God to do? What are you trusting God to do? Well, I think there's a number of things you could be trusting Him for, and I tried to think through it, and I'm going to throw a few up here on the screen. First one is maybe you've got something you're trusting God for that's job-related. You're thinking about your career, you're thinking about your work, you're thinking about projects you have going on at work, or maybe you're in between jobs and you're looking for new jobs, or maybe you're starting a new job, or there's all kinds of things and you go, oh, I should be trusting God for things in my work. Maybe it's your family situation. You're trusting God with the process of raising kids. You're trusting God to have children. You're trusting God on behalf of your kids or your wife or your, you know all these sort of things, your extended family. There's all these places where you go, man, really could trust God here. What about your health? There's a number of you I know who are struggling with illnesses or challenges, injuries, and all those sort of things, and you go, man, I really could be trusting God here. God, it says God is the healer. God made me. He knows what's going on. I'm going to be trusting God in the realm of my health. Another one, obviously, would be our finances. 
right? It's a big deal. Trusting God with, well, am I getting paid enough? How am I spending that money? What about this big thing or that thing or this emergency or whatever thing is going on? And you go, wow, there's places for me to trust God here. And so maybe you're trusting God in your finances. Maybe you're trusting God for marriage. A number of you who are single, you're going, man, I really have this heart to be married and i got to trust God here because it's really up to Him and He's going to bring it about. And there's a real area of, man, I don't see how it's going to work out. I don't see how it's going to play out. I really need to trust God here. And this next one for me, this is a big one for me, is our church. And we look at our church and we say, What's going to happen with our church? Where are we going? What are we doing? Are people going to be connected to each other and to us and to God? Are we going to see the lost saved and disciples made? And we need to be trusting God for this. And so I think through all of those things, I look at that list and maybe you have other things in your life where you go, yeah, I'm trusting God. But I think we need to ask that question that gets a little bit more personal and say, am I actually trusting God in these areas? Or do I just recognize that I ought to be trusting God in these areas? Am I trusting God? Or am I worried? That's convicting to me. And I think we want to look at a few verses here from elsewhere in the Bible that might help us with this. The first one, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And we know this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He will make straight your paths. And so we think about this. What are you trusting God to do? And you think through those things. You need to ask yourself, are you trusting God or are you leaning on your own understanding? It's convicting to me. Second verse. Cast your burden on the Lord and He will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. Have you cast your burden on the Lord or not? You might know that you ought to. You might think that you have, but have you? Another verse, Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Do not be anxious about anything. Man, we like this one. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything. By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. We went over this verse in Launchpad this week. And we identified that idea of thanksgiving that's right there in the middle of of that verse. Are you thankful? Are you thankful to God? Do you have a spirit of thanksgiving when you consider what God has done for you? And are you praying? Are you casting your burdens upon the Lord with that attitude of thanksgiving or not? Fourth verse, Luke twelve twenty five, the words of Jesus himself. Which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour of life to his, a single hour to his span of life? So if you're like me, you're probably guilty thinking that if I worry, it's going to actually make things better. As I've discovered, worrying doesn't make a single thing better. And I trust the words of Jesus here when he says this. And so look at your life and think about these verses and think about this question of what are you trusting God to do? And say, am I in faith in these things or am I worried? Am I in faith or am I worried? And if you're worried... That's okay if you are, because I am too. If you're worried, ask this question, what is the foundation of your faith? And I think like Abraham, 
the foundation of our faith needs to be the gospel, the good news. It will be counted to us who believe in him who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord. It's counted righteous to us if we believe he raised Jesus from the dead. Now, I was trying to think about this. What would be a picture? And of course, you know, most of you know me. I'm an architect. I really like buildings. I think about that. And so I have a building analogy for us. And here it is. I didn't do this drawing. I found it on the internet. <clears throat> but that's a, a cross-section through a house. And you can see the, the lower piece is in the ground. And that's the foundation. And the upper house is what's built on it, right? And Jesus talks about houses and foundations and what you build them on and that sort of thing, right? But this is kind of how it is. You can't really have a house without a foundation. We call that a mobile home. And we know what happens when the tornadoes come, right? So you've got to have a foundation. And there's this analogy that works for us. And so when it comes to faith... Our foundation of our faith needs to be the gospel. What is your faith in? The good news of Jesus Christ. The justification that's provided in salvation in Jesus. And upon that, we get to build life. Faith for other things. You see how Abraham did that? Abraham believed the gospel. It was credited to him as righteousness. And then he said, wow, I see what God is doing and I can trust him for these bigger things in my life. And we need to be the same way where we go, oh, I trust God. I have trusted God. I've placed my faith in him as salvation. And then I can trust him for all of these other things. Now there's two errors we can make when it pertains to faith, right? The first one is this. We cannot trust God for justification. So we think back to that picture and we think to the gospel. We don't trust him for the gospel. And we say, I can do it on my own. I can get right with God on my own. And maybe you're here today, this morning, and that's where you're at. And if I asked you that question and I said, if you stood before, if you died and you stood before God today, and God said, why should I let you into heaven? And your answer had anything to do with, well, because I'm a pretty good person, or I've done some good things, or I'm not so bad, or... The reality is, that's not trusting God for justification. That's trusting yourself and you're trying to say, Oh, I'm a good person. I'm good enough. But we see in James chapter 2, verse 10, it says, Whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. So you can't be good enough. None of us can be good enough to be right with God. None is good enough. Justification is through Jesus Christ alone and receiving the free gift of salvation. That's it. And so some of us might make that mistake and not trust God for justification. The second mistake we might make is this. Not trusting in God because of or in spite of justification. We need to trust God in our lives because he saved us. Right? If he's done that, he can do anything. If he's done that, if he's made our eternity secure, he can do anything. So I'd say that. Maybe you have received the free gift of salvation, but have you given your trust to him beyond that? It's close to home for me because I can be worried about a lot of different things. I think if we do this, if we trust God, we say, yes, I've received the free gift of salvation, I am justified, but I continue to worry, it begins to look like this. It's a building with foundations and nothing else. 
I love this picture because I go, wow, that looks like that would have been a really cool building. But nothing got built on the foundations. And so there's just like steel sticking into the air, rusting. So if we won't build on that gospel, this is kind of what our lives will be. And so we think about being worried and not trusting God and being worried. And I think about this. I think worry can be kind of like this, a check engine light. What happens when that check engine light comes on in your car? You go, I better do something about this, right? Something is going on. And I think in the same way, if we look at our own lives and we go, something, something happens, and I'm worried, that should be a check engine light. It should almost just say, whoop, worry, right? And you go, whoop, oh, something's going on in my life. I'm not having faith. So if you are worried, think about that. And that brings us back to what we talked about at the beginning, is that worry and peace are connected or at odds with each other in some ways. And we see here, I think Paul's key point in this passage is this, is that peace comes from justification. It doesn't come from somewhere else. It doesn't come from getting all my circumstances lined up, right? We think about what is peace? Well, what is it? We might just think, oh, you know, it's like you know, North Korea and South Korea. They're not fighting, so they're at peace, or whatever. There's the absence of strife. Well, that is peace, but peace is really more than that. It's much broader. If we go back to the Greek in this passage, the term that Paul uses for peace is irene. It's this Greek word. It means a state of well-being. It means being untroubled. We go, that makes a lot of sense. But we also need to recognize that Paul was a Jew, right? He was a Pharisee at one point, and so he really understood Hebrew, and he was writing to a bunch of Jews in Rome, too. And so they all would have understood when he said this word that he also was talking about the Hebrew shalom, which we've probably heard, right? Shalom, shalom to you, peace, kind of like Jerusalem, Salim, shalom. It's the same root word, and it means more than just being untroubled. It means being complete, being sound. Can you imagine that? Think about that manner of peace where you just go, ha, ah, I am complete. I am together. And so it's not peace, it's not the absence of strife, it is not the absence of trials, it is not the absence of things that are hard, right? Because no one experiences that in life. It is this, living at ease in uncharted territory. And isn't that what we really want? Because we can't really get rid of all the bad stuff in our lives, can we? I mean, we can, we can make wise decisions, that sort of thing, but stuff rushes in and we don't have any control over it. It's not possible to get everything controlled. And so peace is living at ease in the midst of those challenges. Jesus said it himself in John chapter 14, verse 27. He said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Jesus said, Here is peace. Be at peace. Live at ease in the midst of the challenges of the uncharted territory, right? He wasn't saying either. He wasn't saying, you can have peace because I'm a nice guy. He didn't say, you can have peace if you work hard at it. He said, no, my peace I give 
to you. And I give it to you because through me you are justified. You are reconciled to God. It is the foundation that you can build all your faith upon. Let's go back to that list again. I have it here on the screen. All of those things. Do you have peace in these areas? Sometimes I go, wow, that's a check on my heart as well. Can I trust God? Am I trusting God with the good news? Have I rooted my life upon the gospel? If so, I really can be in faith in all of these other things that he will provide. Jesus said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. He's given it to us. Have we received it? So here's one final thought. In this verse in James chapter 2, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead, is a challenging verse to many people. Right? We struggle. We go, I thought faith was all about not having to do work. So what is he talking about? Well, what I think it means is this. It goes back to our analogy of the house. And we go, okay, if we have that foundation of being justified, if we say, yes, I am justified before God because of Christ. I am reconciled to God. I have a right relationship with God. Jesus Christ came in and became that propitiation, that substitute for me. And he paid the penalty of my sins, and I've received that free gift. When we have that, and that is the foundation of our life, then we can have faith for the rest of life. That list of all those things, we can have faith in all of those things and other things, and whatever you're going to walk out the door and experience today and tomorrow and this week, whatever the world throws at you, you can have faith to have peace in the uncharted territory. And then faith begins to work its way out in our lives. That's what James is saying is you have that faith, you're building it upon the gospel and that faith becomes expressed in your choices, in your actions, in your attitudes, in your words, in your relationships, in your families, in your home, in your job. That's what I think James is saying here. That's what flows out of this. And so my closing questions to you are these. Are you embracing the peace that comes from the gospel? From salvation that comes from Jesus Christ alone? Have you embraced that? Have you accepted that? Are you right with God? Because you can be. And if you have, are you allowing that peace to flow through your heart and produce faith-filled choices? Or are you worried? Is that check engine light on of worry? If it is, hey, that's okay. Because you have this and you can go back and say, no, I can preach the gospel to myself and say, wow, God's taking care of the most important thing, the biggest thing that is out there. He's taking care of it. He's taking care of it. How much more so is he going to take care of these other things? Jesus said, peace I give to you. Will you receive that peace? Will you accept it? On that note, I'll pray and close our time this morning. God, thank you for peace. God, I think about, we we go back to the beginning, we go back to Genesis, and we see how Adam and Eve broke the universe. And each one of us have followed in their steps, and we've broken our lives, and we've allowed sin in, and we've made sinful choices even today and every day. We even think about keeping the whole law and stumbling at just one point. Well, Lord, we know that doesn't even describe us. We've stumbled at pretty much every point. 
we've broken it. And yet, even though we've done that, God, I think that what we deserve from that, not only is eternity separated from you, but is no peace. And yet you say, here, here is my peace. You don't have to worry. You can believe. You can be at peace. You can have certainty in the midst of uncertainty. You can have calm in the middle of uncharted territory. Lord, help us to embrace that. Lord, as we look at these two things, Lord, maybe some of us here this morning are in a place where we go, I haven't received the free gift of salvation. It is as simple as saying, I invite you into my life. I receive the free gift of salvation. I recognize I can't work my way to be right, to pay the penalty of death that's due for my sin. And I thank you, Jesus, for paying it on my behalf. And maybe a number of us have received that. And we look at our lives and we go, man, it's kind of like that building that's just a bunch of foundations and nothing built on it. God, help us to have faith. Help us to recognize the peace that is there in all of those things, in our job, in our family, in our homes, with our finances, with our health. If we want to be married in our church, God, help us to have faith. Help us to look back and see that foundation and build a life on it. God, and I just look forward to all of the great works and the good that's going to come out of us as we recognize that. Thank you for Jesus, and in his name we pray. Amen.